you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The Around the NFL podcast knows what a Super Bowl tastes like. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis, coming to you from a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. We're here. We are here. Week 16. It's like we've been planning... This week with like the schedule, we have a different schedule taping money. It, this has been a long time mm-hmm, coming. It feels mm-hmm. good that we're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a long week. Um, I think who was at the holiday party last night? It was so crowded. I didn't see the two guys at the end. Were you at the uh, event? I was not, no. I had intentions to go, but the day <laughs> changed my uh my ability to go. And I, you know what? I, I might be r- this close to starting. A, remember finding Richard Simmons, the podcast, finding Mark Sessler at any like, <laughs> I, I already knew. I already, event. honestly, the one reason I thought about just showing up and making an appearance and then literally just finding Dan and then Ubering home that was, was to prevent this narrative that you know why, I have been a total you know completist why. at these parties. That is a like to hang out with you. That's that all. That you had last year. We saw you. I remember <laughs> Emika and I saw you. Uh, exiting as we were arriving. Well, you know, the, I think the <laughs> so plus one. said, the plus hey, one, man, I'm here. But then well, the plus one situation where you bring the significant other, in our case, we had to both get home for babysitters and stuff. In old in olden days, I mean, meeting like two years ago, I would just stay until the bitter end of the of the eve. We just want to hang out with you. We that's want, that's very possible. But it, I life. don't think last night would have been the easiest way to accomplish no, that. We a, could do that an hour from now with no problem. Barely so saw people. Dan. Barely saw Wes, uh, but I did see... You know, you want to talk about the holiday party and coming where Wes was at one point in his life, where he is now. Ricky, do we have an image of Wes at the holiday party? It's impressive. Because it is – look at this guy. Now, look at – very YouTube, sharp. Uh, For the viewers. YouTube uh, viewers and check out the YouTube show. We do it live every Thursday. If you guys remember, several years back <laughs> when Wes started this company, he made a big uh, event out of or a big to-do about – listen – I'm not going to wear no monkey suit. You're not going to get I'm not going to the holiday party because they're telling me to wear a sweater or they they was like party it was casual. Like California casual. Yeah, and Wes wouldn't go to the holiday party because of that. And now he's wearing a, a a full suit, a tie, and a newsboy cap. 
Look, I just <laughs> there, was, wore there was a theme to it. There was a theme to it. The was it was a 1920s yeah. theme. I just wore what I was told to wear. I just love it. I first of all, I wanted you at the party. I couldn't get you at the party in 2014. Now you're the most dressed up guy at the whole thing. I love it. True love. You True know? love. <laughs> or it was a cancer. Or it was a love. A what what changed in your heart in your mind that got you in the newsboy cap? Well, I think you just go. You know, it's better to swim with the tide than to swim against it. So that's what's going on. <laughs> well, it was great to see you. And Lakeisha Looking looked beautiful sharp. in her uh, 20s garb as well. Uh, so it was a great night. Emily came out. It was fun. All right. <clears throat> Speaking of holiday, good job on the set here. What? Where is the holiday decorations here in the studio? What? Where are we on this? Erica. Yeah. As I mean, the producer of the show. Yeah. How about something? Some holly, some wreaths, some, you know, throw some a menorah on there if you want. Ornaments. Just give us something. Maybe is it in the graphics package at least? You know, do they do the little happy holiday. <laughs> Bartlett's got a green blanket back there. I yeah. mean, I don't, what, I don't know. Is this, the, this is the studio that time forgot in this, um, on this complex. No doubt. Well, I think it's appropriate. The NFL, in many ways, you know, takes you away from your family uh, during the holidays. So. Why, why be festive? Don't think about what you're losing, your children's youth. It's a very Spartan POV, but I, I think he's right. Right, as my, as my children are like in a plane, you know, across the oh, Pacific no. Ocean. Mm. Dad, dad. People are like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry you're divorcing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. So then maybe we don't need anything because uh, of uh, Greg's sadness. Uh, all right, let's get into it. Week 16 is here, and it's amazing. It's amazing that we've, we've gotten all the way to this point, and this week has um, there's a little difference, obviously, in the quirk of the schedule. There will be no Thursday night recap tonight because there's no more Thursday night games. And, and In fact, there's only one Monday night game, which is one of the best games of the year, uh, potentially, uh, in Minneapolis. Uh, but we have three Saturday games to get to, and they're all interesting and fun. We'll put them as part of the draft process and – um, why don't we get into it? Greg, look at you. Top of the world. Look at you. Picking first in the Week 16 draft. You and the Bengals. It is appropriate right before Christmas uh, that I'm picking first. I'm going Saints-Titans <laughs> early. Nice pick. Sunday. It's crazy, but I think this is the biggest game of the week and at least the best game of the week and the most entertaining, the game I want to see, the most with the – most at stake because the Titans are fighting for their lives. I don't want to see this Titans team go away. They're a little bit of trouble now. They're they're like a big play, fun team. I think this is the best Titans team since Jeff Fisher was their coach. And their point differential would indicate that. Yet they're probably headed for a four straight nine and seven one way or another unless they can beat two really good teams because the Saints have even more at stake. Sometimes the Super Bowl path isn't made in the playoffs. It's made in games like this, Week 16. I'm thinking of when the Texans slipped up last week and blew their potential by. The Saints still have a pretty good chance at a bye if they win two straight games here. And they have to go on the road. They're, we've shown lately that they're a complete team on defense, on offense. And I think they've kind of got that eye of the tiger that this is just – it's such a tough game to pick, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, we didn't see really the impact of Marcus Davenport and Sheldon Rankin's absence in the last game against the Colts, but we might see it here against Derrick Henry. That could be a factor here. Well, they, 
Andres Pete is out. You mentioned Larry Warford went down. We don't know what his status is. I mean, that's they're on both lines. The Saints are a little banged up, and you're right. It, 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 against the, you know, let's totally flop it out Colts last time, they didn't get anything done. But the Titans, to me, and whether they wind up 9-7 and seven or not and watching them, even in even losing to Houston, there is something so different about this team, and it's on both sides of the ball. And you said it, Greg. Like I don't want them to go away. Previous nine and seven Tennessee outfits that would roll into that final wild card spot, they couldn't be out of my life quicker. This time around, I'm rooting for them to make the playoffs. And I, it's it's funny that Ryan Tannehill would be the antidote to Marcus Mariota and what I'm about to say. But it's like. More teams, when you are stuck with a dull, stuck-in-the-mud quarterback that leaves your offense lifeless, be willing to make a change, no matter where that person was drafted or anything. It's just weird that it's Ryan Tannehill, who was equally dull in Miami, has come in and flipped the switch, but he looks amazing to me. He has turned Jonu Smith, Kari Blassingame, uh, Anthony Ferkser, Khalif Raymond into big play threats in that offense. Um, Derrick Henry. Talked about it last week. What's going to be the situation? He's got the hamstring issue, and it's it, okay though. And he, I thought he looked okay. He had one run where he had a 23-yard run up the middle. Uh, but if you took that out, he averaged just over three yards a carry in the last 20 carries. He didn't now, look a little sl- more sluggish to you. He did to week? me. Yeah, I is what so I'm too. saying. And I, and it's it was obviously a small sample size. Uh, he still got the bulk of the carries. Uh, but uh, this will be another game and a big test. They kind of need a big Derrick Henry game. The Saints offense obviously is humming, um, as we saw on Monday night. Uh, Henry has to be Henry. He did not practice at all last week uh, leading up to the game. This week, he did practice yesterday, Wednesday, and I don't believe he practiced today, and I don't know if that is a sign of something or that's just natural maintenance as they get closer to game time. But keep an eye on Henry and whether that hamstring injury is going to be something that continues to haunt him. Both these teams are so good in, in short yardage situations. I do wonder, though, offensively, the Titans are going to have to score 30, I think, again. Because, Wes, you pointed out last week that, you know, their cornerbacks are a big problem. And watching them, it's like, yeah, they are. They're injured there, but their pat like their pass rush in theory could make up for it. But they don't really have a great pass rush either. So even though I I'm saying this is the best Titans team, and I do believe that it's not a special defense. Like they're gonna have to win by scoring on most of their possessions, and I think they can. I don't think the Saints defense is gonna be as good without those two defensive linemen uh, as they looked on Monday night. And you're assuming that the Saints offense, which has been hot indoors, will also be hot in an outdoor game, which Drew Brees, I believe, has played one outdoor game, mm. finished, completed one outdoor game in the last calendar year. Since week 11 was, the, was one, the, that one. So, yeah. Good I, stat, good nug. I'm still buying the Saints, though. Me too. I do think they're going to win. Me I just, too. I'm buying that their offense with Jared Cook. Me too. And everything is back. In fact, and you guys oh, got wow. on me last week, and uh, fair perhaps, but uh, I stayed <laughs> true to the More fair. than fair. I stay true to the Vegas test. Uh, this week, I will ride with the Saints. I think a truly great Super Bowl contender is now cresting and building toward January. They're not going to slip up. Nice season by the Titans. They're at home, so it's certainly not going to be one where the Saints should be viewed as heavy favorites. The desert doesn't think that either. But I think the Saints rolling all the way to 13-3. and three. And to do that, they're going to have to kill the Titans. And I'm sorry to you Titans fans out there. It's nothing wow. personal. I like this Saints team. I love what I'm seeing. Monday night was awesome. And the momentum is just going to carry on. Lock it up. The New Orleans Saints on the road. I'm picking the Titans to win this game, but I'm not locking it. Mm. 
Oh, yeah, listen to that masculine you're, lock. You're, That's a man locking yeah. a pad. <laughs> your cowardly lock has worked out perfect. For me personally, I loved your lock last week because, A, it showed that the mirror test was always a sham and people will use it for their own personal interest when possible. And it, you took so much garbage for it that now you have to come with a real strong lock. Why? Well, sure. I don't. You all, but you, 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 sir, are the sham because we've always talked about <laughs> you and I are in lockstep on the mirror test, which is it has to be within a touchdown uh, on the Vegas the- test, and it was. So why are you on my? Because case? I just knew that the way this you was saw fun. It, I get it. It didn't really. You, I don't know if it really passed the mirror test. I would say, it felt it, like I mean, that. Dan, it felt you, like you are the you are. Uh, it's your thing to come at us hard. If anyone's mirror okay. or anyone's lock doesn't agree with you, your That's mirror fine. for their lock, I'm not and, saying I'm above that. I'm right. happy that you guys came I, at me hard. And I, all I can say is I get it. And I said it when I locked him up <laughs> when I walked up the Seahawks uh, that it was right on the borderline, but it was a weird week as we all agreed. So that's what I went with. Now, do I want to play hero ball and do what West did and, and lock up the, a bad Chargers team against? the Vikings? Well, what does that get you? A pat no, on the back? No, you, Barry you, Harwood style? You've opened up doorways for us to do as we please from here on out, which I, which is what I like about it. But I stayed within the Vegas test. Well, it's, it, it, is, it is all completely subjective at this point. There is, there is no rule. Been. So How is the mirror test a sham? But you're perfectly fine with the Lions being lockable against the, the Buccaneers. Because at least it's an outside source, you know. Provide, nah, that Vegas is a sham. <laughs> and one more point about this game, unless someone else has something else, that now, after that brilliant game by Mike Michael Thomas on Monday night when he went 12 catches on 12 targets. Uh, he is now just 11 receptions behind Marvin Harrison for first all or passing Marvin Harrison. I've had him third in my MVP rankings, which is kind of silly because you only vote for one player and he's way behind the other two. But to me, he, he would be number three in the most valuable players in the league. I don't think they, they survived without Drew Brees. I don't know if they'd survive without Michael Thomas. Why are you surviving? How about you just stay right there at 142? <laughs> Well, or you, or, or you, or you snap the record and you go directly into witness protection for a chunky amount of time. Let's take a look at the locks while we hear the standings, Greg. Maybe that's why you're so upset because you could smell it. You, you see, you're no. in first place. I've been trying to kill nine this and segment six. for years. If I win it, can I kill it? <laughs> nope. Uh, first place, nine and six. Mark, you drop to eight and seven. I'm at seven and eight, and Wes at six and nine. Nice, uh, but not out of it. But Greg, Greg does the picks column. If he doesn't win this, a lot of internal questions will be asked about, that's, I mean, designated assignments mm, as, you know. That's a mountain of pressure. Yeah. Question about your MVP ranks. Why does he have to be way behind Russell Wilson? Is it just because you don't know how valuable a wide receiver can possibly be? Because he could argue he's been just as valuable as Russell Wilson. That I don't know. I think Russell Wilson's season, not that it's underrated, but Russell Wilson has had a sensational quarterback season. So, yeah, I guess I just lean that way. Maybe he will get Offensive Player of the Year. They haven't split the award that often lately. You know, I think for the last five years, it's just been the quarterback sweeps the same award, which is very boring. You should give Michael Thomas hmm. some love. Chris Wessling, you are up next. I will take that uh, <laughs> NFC East clash. The Cowboys... Wind it up, Wes. Oh, I thought you were going Giants at Washington there, Wes, with that NFC East class. <laughs> Cowboys at Eagles. Ooh, I like it, Wes. We've got a Dak Prescott shoulder injury, which seems severe enough that they have to get an MRI, yet Jerry Jones is confident he'll be out there in top form against an Eagles team, which looks like they finally found something on offense, something to hang their hat on, like four players. You've got Miles Sanders. You've got Greg Ward. You got Zach Ertz and you got Dallas Goddard. So that's a lot more than they have most of the year when they were trying to find anybody but Zach Ertz. 
anybody behind him to possibly contribute to their offense. So I'm, I don't think this is the blowout a lot of people are saying it is. It's some total mismatch where the Cowboys are obviously going to take this. Mm. Well, I would say this, though. After watching Dallas utterly execute the Rams, and I get that this, the NFL at this point is just this week-to-week guessing game because whatever happened the week before has essentially apparently no meaning to what's going to happen seven days later. But I am requesting that Dallas goes into Philadelphia and executes the Eagles because if I have to pick one of these teams, and I've been saying it all along, the winner of this division will win a playoff game. I can see that happening in Dallas in the wild card round without any reservations. Mm. I thought one time you said it, it wouldn't happen, that they were going to get blown out in the play. Yeah, we heard that as well. Well, so what you do is, and I mentioned this, you, you kind of cover all bases. So what I'll have to do is have, you know, and Erica will comply because she, she knows this is good for the show. Bring up the correct soundbite mm-hmm. and just sort of, you, you know, put that out on Twitter and just say, this guy nailed it back in week 14. <laughs> that is the way to do it. What do we, yeah, this, this is the warning. I believe I said on Tuesday show. Don't listen to anyone that has a surefire take about how the Cowboys are going to look on Sunday. But it's the same reason why I don't think you're even crazy out on a limb, Mark, if, if the Cowboys did finish this regular season strong, that at home they could beat a team, even a Niners team. I mean, because you're in your building and it's the playoffs and anything could happen. Uh, they do have that type of ceiling that they can make noise in January. But the thing is, they could also show up. Uh, they could also not show up in Philadelphia. Like, they could absolutely lose... 31, well, maybe 31 is a lot of points for the Eagles, but they could lose, you know, 24 to, to 9 or something in this mm. game, and that wouldn't stun me either. No, that, that would stun me because the Eagles haven't played a complete game where they've looked good on both sides of the ball since September. I don't know. I mean, the Eagles are just not a good team. Like, they are at best a 7-7 seven and seven team. If anything, they've almost played worse than a 7-7 seven and seven team, whereas the Cowboys last week, they're – offensive line can have this old school sort of takeover game. The talent on the defense, we've seen it is good enough. Both their running games should feel very good coming into this week. I mean, Miles Sanders is the key player on the Eagles offense right now. And Ezekiel Elliott coming off his best game. And I think he's run uh, well for, for a month, really. I just don't know what you're getting out of Dak Prescott. One thing that kind of slipped under the radar last week is they didn't need to throw. I mean, Cooper... And Gallup combined for 35 yards a week ago. So this injury where that kept Dak Prescott out of practice a little bit, and he's going to play through it, and it, he looked fine to me on the field when he did throw the ball. I don't know if he's going to be ready in cold conditions to throw it 40 times. Let's move on. I will um, dip into the Saturday games. Like I said, there's three Saturday games to choose from, and I'm going to go with the big AFC East showdown between the Buffalo Bills 10-4 and four, at the New England Patriots. 11-3. and three. You remember the first matchup between these two teams, a very uh, hard-fought defensive struggle, a game uh, in which uh, Josh Allen struggled mightily early on but was within striking distance and uh, then got concussed on a hit. And at that point, the Bills just didn't have anything going on on offense and the Patriots won. Uh, so now we have a game where... Here we are again. This time Josh Allen is playing. This time it's in Gillette. And what do you expect here? I don't, this is another one stuff to tell because you know the Bills defense is going to be hyped up for this game. They will show up. And we know 
based on what we've seen, that the Patriots probably aren't going to find that gear um, and all of a sudden be shredding a team in December. This is a different type of Patriots situation now. So what does that mean? That means, again, we're in that same place, Mark. Josh Allen and that offense just has to find a way to make enough plays against an excellent Patriots defense without shooting themselves in the foot, which Allen is prone to do. I would, the one thing I could imagine happening, because this is what Stephon Gilmore, Gilmore who, Greg, you, you, you've been touting him as the defensive player of the year, and I think you're, you're right about that. Let's say he just erases John Brown from the equation. And then you're Buffalo and you've got Cole Beasley and you're going to get a big dose of Devin Singletary. Frank Gore nailed him for 100-plus yards the first time they played. But that isn't exactly how the Bills wanted that game to go in the sense that Josh Allen, to your point, has been anti-productive against New England. They've had his number in over two games. And what will be different other than the fact that the Bills on national television are magical? I mean, they just are fun to watch and they find a way just Mm. to get it done. And this is the ghost game where it's like New England, the same way that you look at the same way that the Pittsburgh and Baltimore has owned a bad team like Cleveland and the Jets have been owned by the Patriots outside of a Rex Ryan interlude. Buffalo's history this decade or this century against New England is utterly abysmal. This is your best shot ever to make something different happen because New England's offense has not gotten out of the rut that we said for weeks and weeks it might. It's a different Bills team than we saw early in the season. Back then it was, you know, Gore's getting, Devin Singles added so, Devin Singletary has added so much to this offense. He's so nifty, so uh, explosive. Ed Oliver's playing a lot better. Uh, Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds are playing better as a duo. Um, you know, my my colleague on Game Day View, Andrew Hawkins, has kind of an old guys theory, and he's it's pretty simple. It's like old guys don't don't feel so good in December. You know, <laughs> Makes sense. it's like that's uh, it, wrestling theory, right? It, <laughs> that's it, how it, I feel right now. Right, it really affects uh, you know an older team, and the Patriots are very much an older team, and the the Bills are very much uh, a younger team. And even as someone who uh, has been touting Gilmore, and I have him just ahead of TJ Watt. I'm worried about this matchup because in the first game, John Brown is the type of receiver that gives him the most amount of problems, that kind of small, uh, speedier receiver. And he did get open against Gilmore a a few times, made a couple plays. Allen missed him a couple times. You're really going to have to have the Patriots front, I think, dominate, which they're capable of doing, especially in terms of the game plan and confusing Allen. I'm checking some weather on the uh, the weather channel. It's supposed to be chilly right but dry, around freezing. You know, it'll get darker as the game goes on. I mean, on the team controls under. the weather up in Foxborough, so don't expect anything too uh, anti-Patriots. <laughs> the Bills defense has allowed 14 points per game during the stretch where they've gone 5-2. and two. And I think their defense is – these are the two best secondaries in the NFL. Their defense has been almost as good as the Patriots over that stretch. And I'm wondering, Greg, which offense do you trust more right now? I put them around the same level. I guess I think I trust the Bills' offense more right now. I I do a little bit in a in in a equal matchup. I and I, I do trust the Patriots' defense more though. So I don't think it's equal. The, the Patriots' offense does one thing well, and that's prevent turnovers. I mean, they're plus twenty four. That's double any other team in the league. It's just outrageous. It's really their 0-1. Yeah, the only thing they do well is prevent something. Yeah, they just don't make mistakes. It's very similar to 0-1. It's like Tom Brady, that offense was terrible. It's the worst offense 
very likely that ever won a Super Bowl. The Ravens in 2000, just the year before, might might be right there. But what they didn't do was like they just punted a lot. They didn't have turnovers, and that's that's what they're doing. Like they need special teams and defense. It's it's ugly. Get Mo Sanu going. That's Th- what they need. This is still kind of surreal to talk about, but you could make the argument since about midseason, since Week Nine, Tom Brady's the worst quarterback in football. No, I don't think you could make. That. I'm just. Well, I think. Let st- me just throw a couple things. Statistically, out there. you could. Uh, he has the worst completion percentage in the league. He has the worst yards per attempt, which is a stat we are we track around these parts. We care. He has the uh, worst passer rating. He is struggling on uh, his quick routes, which is something that has always been uh, a strength of his. He's holding the ball longer since week nine uh, than his first eight games. And uh, defenses are not fooled by what the Patriots are doing. It's you could say, okay, but he's such a great game manager. He's Tom Brady. Yes, they're worst quarterbacks. But this is not a blip on the radar anymore. No. This could be the beginning of the end in a very real, not joking around, uh, gradual decline way. And if that's the case, they're done, right? They're not. This is not a Super Bowl team. We're doing this again? We're doing it. But We're this right. time it's the serious. Wait, no, no, I get it. I, I mean, I just said that they need to make the – the super. If they had any route, it's the 01 route, which is all defense specialty. You don't need. You don't need to. It's almost. It's very, very difficult. You need a lot of luck and a lot of other things to go your way. I. If you look at the PFF grades, he's closer to below average. More like you know, over the last five or six weeks, he started out the season. I thought playing very well. Last week, I thought was his very worst game of the season he was against bad, the Bengals. He's missing open throws. Edelman is hurt, like very hurt. And I wish they didn't play him in that game because he was out there, you know, just dragging his leg around. And then they tried to build the offense around Sanu. Nikhil Harry's getting more. So if you don't have Edelman and the line struggling and, and Brady is also struggling, you're right. It's a, it's a lot of things. And if I was a Bills fan, I would be I would be feeling good about this matchup. I'm shocked that the Patriots are as favored as they are. I would also go back to that Ravens game. And it, it was a terrible start for Buffalo. But the, in the second half, I, I give the Bills credit for resiliently fighting back and doing what they could and making that more of a game than it was. And then to turn around and go do what they did to Pittsburgh. I think it's they're, like, pl- they're playing a little bit better than the Patriots. I would still give New England a slight edge uh, in this game because they're at home and everything. And it just wouldn't surprise me if they if they come together and play I would think the uh, desert, good game. The, that's where the desert's probably coming the from. The desert as, that, as a heavy favorite. That Foxborough really? in December when the chips are down, love. No, the, the desert, ba- it barely passes the test of even being able that's to pick incredible. this game, which is very uh, it's very. I want to ask you a big question, Greg. Okay. And I'm not, this is not me twisting the knife. It's Never. a real question. <laughs> is Tom Brady the quarterback of the Patriots in week one next year? I think so, yeah. Okay. I think well, he would retire. I've already told otherwise. you he's going to be on the Dolphins. I, uh, you know what? Just I know, but I asked Greg. These I, yes. I, predictions. I have like, perspective that, yeah, th- their offense is bad, but to me, they're still kind of a fun team that they're eleven and three and have a chance. But like, there's doing, nothing fun about this team right now. Yeah, they're different. Like you've seen a lot of different Patriots teams. Yes, like there's not as much at stake when when they've won as much as they have, but it's just, it's different and they're still in the mix. They're playing big games. Like you said, well, at least the Bears fans gave them that one game that mattered in week 15. As a Patriots fan, it's like, this game matters. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to whatever the like the playoff games are. At this point, yeah, they're, they're certainly not going to be uh, the favorites. Hey, Erica, what's it like seeing your heroes get old? <laughs> Uh, I mean, you guys are getting older every day. You know who's my hero is Erica Tamposi. But yeah, coming in fair. during this Bills Pats uh, game and switching out that was the microphone because it was all messed up. The I Mark, know. tech Sorry. wizardry. Mark, you're up. 
All right, I'm going to take a Saturday game too. And I'm going to go, you know, I like to organize my, my Saturday, which essentially is a day off, by taking the earliest Saturday game, which I'll plug in, I'll take my notes, and then I'll shift into more leisurely mode with the latter two games. So I'm going Texans at Tampa Bay. And you know what? This game's interesting. I feel like with the Texans, I, they, they intrigue me week to week because they flip-flop between good Texans, bad Texans. And, I, and I'm wondering, this feels a little trap game-ish because I know that for Tampa Bay, you don't have your top two, you don't have Mike Evans, you don't have Chris Godwin. That's a concern for Jameis Winston. Uh, but they're at home, which also, to me, because there's just because there's a big pirate ship in the distance, I'm not sure that's what I'd call a massive home field advantage. But the Texans often go on the road. What are you talking road. about? There's actually a battleship protecting the home team. Well, well they, it's deployed they, sideways, and it's un, it's, it can't oh. maneuver or actually... They are, it's not in the water either. No, exactly. They are so problematic. Four at home and five and three on the road. So I'm which, saying, which, if you, you, know, you get a boat you. in water and have the cannons be you know applicable, and we can talk differently. And, I mean, Air, Bruce Arians has basically said, we're going to have to come out and make our running backs our pass-catching weapons in this. And I'm not sure I really trust that committee backfield to do exactly the James White act necessarily. We'll see. But it's, it's going to be a limited offense that was one of the most fun-to-watch explosive offenses of the past few weeks. O.J. Howard's heated up. I think they finally figured out how to use him a little bit. They have no one else to throw to. We have no one else. And, it's like, <laughs> and, and for the Texans, it's interesting. It's like I never would have predicted. This is something – this is one thing that I would have – uh, you know, if I had expensive possessions in my ownership, I would have willingly bet against this. That Carlos Hyde would have had a thousand-yard season this year. I just did not <laughs> see that coming. They found a way to get just enough out of him, and I, I just looked at what DeAndre Hopkins did last week in that fourth quarter. You know, and he was held down for much of that game. And we talked about our our wide receivers of the decade, and to me, he's just one of those guys because it doesn't matter what the situation is or what the quarterback is. He finds a way to get it done. I do believe the Texans are going to win this. And if I'm allowed to lock this, uh, I would like to lock this game oh, up yeah. for the Texans. I'm, sure. I'm joining you on this one. Let's do it. And that's worked out once for us in the past, <laughs> not the other time. <laughs> You're locking up the Texans on the road. I like how the Bucks have played. I don't trust I don't trust Jameis Winston without Godwin and Evans. It's a lot. Um, I think this offense, Ooh, though. against Jameis in December. <laughs> Look out. It's tricky. It, I mean, they've won, what, four straight here? They Their offense, to me, is so good that they will be able to move the ball anyways. Uh, Justin Watson's a name to watch, I think, if you were into uh, fantasy or DFS. Uh, shout out to Adam Leviton, team preseason. He was out there in the preseason, Justin Watson, and I kind of liked what I saw. And I know Win- Winston likes him a little bit. And you have Howard, and you uh, still have Brashad Perriman. They're going to need their defense to play well, and it has over the last four weeks. Football Outsiders has them as the number two defense in the league over the last four weeks. And it's a big test for the Texans, who have had great pass protection this year. I mean, that is a narrative that died and no one said anything about it. It's like, well, imagine if Deshaun Watson ever had great pass protection. Well, this is it. They're they're third in the league in pass block grades uh, in, by PFF. But this is a tough matchup for them uh, against a Bucks front that's really been getting after. Corey. Where are we at right now with Shaq? The Shaq attack. 16 and a half sacks tied with Warren Staff for the all-time record. And you know he's in spitting distance now of the great flawed Michael Strahan record. Give that sack record uh, back its dignity, Mark. Uh, pretty good season. I mean, I'm going to have to <laughs> say that I'm impressed with what with, with what he's done on a week-to-week basis. Mm. Um, 
you made the point, Mark, that I, initially I agree with you that, that the Texans feel inconsistent, but to put them in like the Cowboys territory, which is not what you did, but they're not, they've actually won five of seven. They got killed by the Ravens. Uh, at a time when everyone was getting killed by the Ravens. And then they, they legitimately stubbed their toe and had that awful game against Drew Locke and the Broncos. But they've been winning games uh, more or less uh, since the midway point of the season. Well, I'd say this. If they lost this, that theory is back on right. in a dangerous oh, for sure. It's their defense I think this room doesn't trust. So if it, if they had Evans and Godwin, man, this would be I wouldn't like, t- I wouldn't touch like a this game. A I dangerous this game. game, but Texans wide receivers are healthy, and when they've got all three of those guys healthy, yeah, I don't know if there's a secondary in the league that stops. They're they're a great offense. They're a legitimately top six seven offense when, when those guys are healthy. Here's what Bill O'Brien said about J.J. Watt. Speaking of the defense on Monday, he certainly made progress based on his work ethic. Referring to his uh, uh, torn pec that put him on injured reserve. Um, who he's working with in the training room, we will see. So he's non-committal on it, but uh, it's lingering out there as a possibility that Watt returns. And one last point, I reached out to the great NFL media research team uh, led by Dre- Jeff Greenholtz. What a job company. they do. And, um, and I met Mackenzie at the holiday party, who's a wonderful uh, woman, and uh, she's been a great help all season. Uh, but Jameis Winston... He's sitting at 30 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. If he can just throw six more picks in the last two weeks. Oh, be beautiful. He would become the first member of the 30-30 club. Mm. 30 interceptions, 30 touchdowns. Well, the key is he's got to... Th- it's possible with these I think he'll wide be in receivers that clubhouse out. alone for many more decades to come, too. The key is he's got to throw an interception on the first drive. That has been the key to, I think, four... Bucks victories. As, if Jameis throws, that's like seeing the groundhog come out. As long as he throws an interception nice and early, the Buccaneers <laughs> usually win. <laughs> that's true. Uh, all right, let us move on. It is time for the snake. Very tempted, by the way, to just take the late Saturday game now and essentially have, you know, I'll just sit there on Sunday with my feet up on the table, go to the huddle a couple times, maybe go home, visit the children, and roll back for the show. But I'm not going to do that because <laughs> I, I think I have stuff I have to do tomorrow night. So Bosses could be listening to. That's true. I and, a, and I'm a workhorse if, they've, if they're questioning that. So I'm going to take... I'm going to indulge in just darkness and take Baltimore at Cleveland because, you know, I have been reading this, uh, consistently reading this horror film, uh, horror novel, I guess you would call it, chapter by chapter, not skipping words, being there for every plot development. And why jump on the book now when, you know, the high point of Cleveland's season came in week four when they started to show what they could be. And it was it was a rash of big plays. It was Nick Chubb on the ground and utterly destroying the Ravens. I mean, putting it on them score-wise. And in that game, I went back and watched a little bit of that game. And what I thought was the turning point, and it was very, ant- very unusual for the Ravens, was a Mark Ingram fumble that flipped the game entirely and allowed Cleveland to really essentially build a lead that was not going to go away. And Mark Ingram and the Ravens simply don't do that since. And since that time, where they shut Lamar Jackson and made life tough on him, and tried to, and they were successfully able to put Lamar Jackson into a situation where he had to throw the ball. And that did not work in that game. That team is complete. That Ravens team is completely and drastically different 
than the team they are right now. And I look back, and I know it was the Jets, but the Jets do have a good run defense. And the Ravens, it's almost like it doesn't matter what the matchup is because they had 99 yards on the ground 12 minutes into that game against the Jets. And the Jets not have a Jamal Adams, and I, I hear you, but they're doing it week after week. And at one point, Lamar Jackson had 69 yards through the air midway through the third period, and then suddenly... Arsenal's arrived and he just started finding Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews and the rest and the the big plays just happened. You cannot contain them for four quarters. And I think Cleveland and we get it. We know about the stuff we talked about on Tuesday. Come get me. With Jar- yeah, and that, and Jarvis Landry has strongly denied the report by NFL Network's Mike Silver that he Don't was yelling him. that to the Cardinals. Well, that's right. That just leaves you up to what you think about that player and this team in general. Um, OBJ has denied all that stuff, too. He Again, says, He says he's going to be there next year. Don't he says him. he's going to be there, but all that's for the offseason. It could not come quick enough for this Browns team. I, I think that they were mentally broken weeks ago, but it truly appeared on the field last week as Kyler Murray and the Cardinals incinerated Cleveland's defense, which has been relatively solid game to game and not just not the case. I don't see a, I saw a defense that gave up in that game. You can run on them at will and the Ravens will have an absolute field day. <laughs> it's in Cleveland. That's going to be thorny, uh, but I don't see anything. There, this is not this is not a big uh, stumbling block for the Ravens. They roll. Wes, the Ravens, first of all, clinched the number one seed with a win. Uh, but my question to you, what do you need to see, if anything, from the Ravens between now and the end of the regular season? That Anything anything on your radar, a weakness of this team, something you'd like to see shorn up if you're, uh, if you're John Harbaugh? No. No. I don't, see, I don't see a weakness for them. I would maybe like to see Hayden Hurst, who was drafted ahead of Lamar Jackson, Become as good as Mark Andrews and become that like second, more two tight end sets, and they get they have those two weapons. Maybe Hollywood Brown is is playing yeah. like he did early in the year instead of like going in the tank like he did the last few weeks. But uh, well, there's, uh, there's nothing about the Ravens that that really works. Well, they're so it's just stay healthy. They're so healthy. Their entire team isn't wasn't even on the injury report. I think Brandon Williams was the only guy, and he's even practicing. So th- not only are they the best team in the league, they're among the healthiest, they have a ton to play for. You clinch home field, you make up for your one bad loss of the year, and you finish off uh, Lamar's MVP case. Because Mike Garofolo already said on our network he does not expect Lamar Jackson to play in Week 17. I don't think that necessarily means the rest of the starters will sit. A, it's hard to do that. B, I think they might just you know roll out RG3. Uh, with a bunch of other starters, I'm looking more. I'm more curious in this game of Baker Mayfield and the Browns, and I know we've all given up on them. But the the way the Ravens have transformed the most is defensively since Week Four, and they just blitz you like crazy. And Baker's just hasn't responded well to when he's seeing a lot of different looks, and this this really taxes you as a quarterback playing the Ravens. The, what disappoints me most about the Browns is on a team with Nick Chubb and Jarvis Landry, they lack toughness. And if you can't stop Kenyon Drake in short yardage, you have no prayer against Lamar. Well, Jackson yeah, they, they're very. Like, the Cardinals are like Ravens light. I mean, they're kind of the second most creative running game. So if you can't slow down the Cardinals, good luck. All right, let's move on. It is my pick, and I will stick in the Saturdays on Sundays. Eh, Sundays not looking too hot, to be honest with you, from a matchup perspective, uh, but. Rams at Niners, the primetime game. But you're gun- taking two Saturday games. Look at that. So you are doing what Mark did. It's, no, I, it's savvy. I, pl- I plan to grind on Sunday as well, but I just want to pick the best games in the draft to be true to the draft and talk about a good game, which is way better than any of the other Sunday games remaining, to be quite honest There is with you. some trash remaining. Um, so let's talk about Rams at <laughs> Niners. And, uh, 
yeah, you know, do I want to kill the Niners for losing that game of the Falcons? Nah. I mean, they've lost two of three. The the Ravens lost. You know, that was that was painful. Justin Tucker at the gun. Uh, the Falcons lost. As bad as it was, and it was how it ended with the Julio Jones touchdown, is rough. But it didn't hurt them all that much. It just kind of more took away their room margin for error. If they beat the Rams... And then they go to Seattle in that huge Week 17 showdown, which I would think is going to be in front of Al, Chris, and Michelle, uh, hopefully. They're the number one seed uh, in the NFC. So it's still all out in front of them. And they get a Rams team that maybe they get a they, they kind of catch a break a little bit. If the Rams play well last week, they beat the Cowboys, and they are surging at 9-5. and five. You get this titanic showdown, and the Rams are believing in themselves, and they're on fire, and they're saying, we're, we're getting, you know, we want a ticket into January. We want to defend our conference title. Well, maybe they're a little deflated after getting their butts whooped uh, at Jarrow World, and the Rams team that shows up is closer to the one that disappointed us for most of the season. I like the Niners a lot in this game, and I'm curious what you boys think. Uh, I, I agree with you, but the Rams do have something to play for. The fact that comes on Saturday is, you know, the NFL really lucked out with this NFL Network triple header. It's really good. And they lucked out that the Rams will be alive still. I mean, only f- four things need to happen for the Rams to make the playoffs. They need to win two games and they need the Vikings to lose two games. But if you're the Rams, you're playing your division rival and you're still alive for the playoffs. Crank it up, Greg. It, it's a big game. I mean, for, I, I don't think if they lose, and I expect them to, and that's why I'm locking up the 49ers. Oh! Uh, it's not going to be because they're not motivated. You know, they couldn't have been any more motivated last week, and they just didn't show up. I, I think George Kittle is having one of the greatest tight end seasons of all time. He is, like, future All-22 analytics film buffs are going to talk about this season in hushed tones. The way he's taken the fight <laughs> to you on every single play, like 2013 J.J. Watt. He is just, you got to shoot him with an elephant gun to bring him down. How does he compare to you to 2013 <laughs> Rob Gronkowski? He is, I think he, he plays with a faster game speed than Pete Gronk. He is faster than Gronk. He is just as physical as Gronk. He is a monster red zone blocker, but no one no one in history of the NFL is the red zone weapon that Rob Gronkowski was. And his hands and body were so underrated as a red zone threat. Kittle isn't that guy as a receiver in the red zone. I didn't get down around to watching that game till today. And just Kittle catching huge passes downfield in so many different ways. You can you it's like slants. It's at the sideline where he's knocking someone out with an elbow before he pulls in the, the pass. I thought in that game that the absence of Richard Sherman was a huge reason they lost because every time I looked up, this guy Emmanuel Mosley was getting scorched by Julio Jones. And it wasn't all big plays, but it was like the Falcons just been consistently solid. moving the ball. I think that's just how damn good Julio Jones is. No, it's all – but it's just it, – like I think Richard Sherman could have well, – made a bit more of a difference in there. They get back Sherman, year. they're getting Sherman back, and they're getting back Kwan Williams, who plays a lot for them. So that's two of their top cornerbacks return, and a lot had to go wrong in that game for the 49ers to lose, including Kittle fumbling. Was, it was a huge play. Uh, they almost could have won the game if he hadn't switched the ball, you know, switched it in his hands and, and fumbled it. And, and they're a team, like the Saints, that should have their eyes like on the prize and that was a stumble and I think they'll be embarrassed from it and they have a good history against uh, Wade Phillips's defense Kyle Shanahan's put up 30 points in three of the five meetings against Phillips and that does not include the game earlier this season which to me was the moment where you realize this Rams team 
could just be overmatched because they were so physically dominated by the 49ers in that game that I want to see that again out of the 49ers. We haven't seen a good 49ers blowout in a while. And especially since I locked him up, just make my Saturday night easy, right? And I mean, Goff has this stiffness in his right throwing thumb situation. That's not great. And the splits for him because the, the Niners are banged up, but they still have Bosa. You've got Buckner. You've got Eric Armstead. When you can rush Goff and get in his face, like his statistical splits are ghastly. I mean, he's not the same guy under pressure. And he threw a killer interception last week that flipped that Cowboys game on its butt. The 49ers have three sacks in the last three games. They haven't been as good up front either. So I think they want to kind of get that defensive mojo back. This is the right O-line to go. That's right. Wes, to your point about Kittle and how he is, it's more than just the passing game, how he affects the Niners. He's the centerpiece of that offense. Uh, According to Next Gen Stats, uh, because of his ability to make plays and all over the field, uh, he changes the way it looks around the line of scrimmage. The the box isn't as packed when he's able to because they have to follow him. And what you have is yards per rush with Kittle on the field, 5.0, without Kittle, 3.4. Uh, rushing touchdowns, 15 with Kittle, 3 without him. They're just a totally different offense when he's back. He was playing on a broken ankle at one point this season, but now he's back and all the way back to himself, and everything flows through him. They were averaging like literally 100 rushing yards less per game when he was out with that injury. Wow. Incredible. All right, Wes, you are up. Oh, you took my game. I know. I was hoping to get that. I thought for sure nobody wanted the second Oh, we all get to watch game. it. We all get to watch it. It's okay. Oh, I just didn't want an extra game on You Sunday. can even still comment on it the next day <laughs> as you see fit. So. That one's going to be hard to recover from. Okay, I will take Steelers at Jets. <laughs> that yeah. was a nice job. Well, I'll still be watching that game. No. Too. Well, that was num- I was just going by my board. That's, That's number fair. one left on my board. You could like always make a trade. Steelers. You could always make uh, a open trade. for business. You could always make a All trade. Right. Offer me the the Saturday night game for the Jet game. Wait, the one you really wanted the Jet game, but no, you offer the trade. Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. That was like the GM app in real life. That was exciting. <laughs> I was surprised to hear that people expected Tomlin to consider benching Duck Hodges after last game. I get that it was an awful game. I get that the quarterback limitations lost that game for the Steelers. But come on. What what he did in the few games before that compared to what Mason Rudolph was doing? Yeah, I guess it was just the nature of how, how almost um... – defenseless, well, that's not the right word because we're talking about offense, but just how limited they appeared when they needed that big score in the end of the game. Well, they came out throwing. And they just couldn't, and Hodges was just not up to the task in those last two possessions. They, like, came out, I thought, and thought that was the way to beat the Bills because the Bills just put everyone up front trying to dare Duck to beat him. Heat check. And, uh, yeah, they they don't need a big offensive performance. They're going to get Juju back. James Conner looked pretty good in his return. You count on the running game and you count on their team to force turnovers because, you know, if there's a criticism of Sam Darnold in the second year, it's pretty similar to Baker. It's similar to a lot of young quarterbacks. He's just a little late on on things. And if you're late against the Steelers, that's a T.J. Watt force fumble. Yeah, I thought, you know, in that they obviously the Ravens game, as most do against Baltimore, totally got away from the Jets. But the Jets, who have been awful on third down and stuff, had a rash at one point in the game where they converted like seven third downs. I thought Darnold made some really good throws in that game. And then it just, it went south. But I, I would be more hopeful, and I'm not, this is not me trying to, you know, make a nice 
a salvo to Dan here, but I, I'm a little bit more hopeful with streaks of Sam Darnold's play than what I've seen from Baker this for chunks of this season. I think they're close because I think some of the issues are, are similar for young guys, but you know, Darnold has less around him. Let's start right there. He's got a terrible offensive line, and you know, it, Le'Veon Bell has not been what they thought. I wonder is does this count as a revenge game? Le'Veon Bell versus Steelers. <laughs> not that he's going to be able to uh, you know impose his will, but. Uh, I I don't know about that. I think my biggest concern for be- both Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield is the organizations they're attached to. Yeah, that's, it's fair and to be that, concerned. And there's nothing through two years of their careers that makes me feel um, any better about that. Mm. Like if oh, you put those, right. <laughs> if you put those those players in better uh, situations with management and the players, well. Baker at least had a good core around him, but coaching and all that, uh, that any young quarterback is going to get a little fouled up, and I fear that's what's happening with both mm. these guys, and hopefully it changes. How unpredictable. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to, you know, I know you're not going to root for them to look bad down the stretch, but the fact that they have to play the Ravens defense, the Steelers defense, and then the Bills defense in a row, and you've still got that six-point performance in Cincinnati pretty close, it is still very much on my radar that there's a way Adam Gase could lose his job, which I think might be might not be the worst thing long term for Sam Darnold. Just it's such a hard slate that that's a recipe to have three pretty tough games in a row. Yeah, that's their playoff run. I mean, and I'm not sure. Brutal. I mean, it's look, look, if Tom Brady and the Patriots are playing those three teams in a row, they're not scoring either. It's just well, I wonder if the emotion of how this season might end for the Jets could could affect things. We know the Jets' defense is capable of putting together a pretty strong performance, and I would think this was a recipe for an upset, but. That T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree, the way they're playing, and Cameron Hayward going up against this Jets offensive line feels like hmm. it almost feels like upset proof. Like that's the matchup that's going to turn in this game in the Steelers' well, favor. Titans These- fans are big Jets fans this week. They need the Jets to help them out. They'll try it. I just I I'm a, I'm certainly not too confident. Jamal Adams has a quote very high chance of returning against the Steelers. So that is such a big piece. He is the George Kittle of the Jets defense. Previous Mike Tomlin teams, you could count on one game a year where they go on the road and lay a ultra gigantic egg. And I don't think this is that Steelers team. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, move on. Picking next is Greg Rosenthal. Yeah, you really, really hurt me there. I mean, you're sorting through corpses at this point. I really am. It doesn't matter. You're in a morgue. Bone right collector. Now. I've you're got just opening up the little refrigerators with the toe tags popping out. I've got two uh, two games, I guess, in a row here. I'll take um, I'll take the Cardinal Seahawks because that's the only other playoff team I think that's still available. Right. Uh, this is a game that could be fun. I know the Seahawks is one victory all season that was easy came against these Cardinals. So the the Seahawks have the same amount of two-score wins as the Bengals this year. One. And uh, so you expect it to be close at the end. And I know they matched up well with Arizona last time, but I I would love to see Kyler Murray have a signature moment. He played really well last week. Um, And that's the type of thing that if you're a number one overall draft pick and they've really had a, a good year offensively, Kenyon Drake's fun to watch. I think the Seahawks defense is beatable. They haven't been as good at home this year. They're very banged up. Uh, this week, I, I think this could be a, kind of a fun game. And go, 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 make something. Uh, you of know, this Kyler, Kyler Murray. You bring it. up Kyler, who's had moments, but certainly it hasn't been a you know fantastic. His best games season. have been in losses for the most. Well, he was sorry, Dan. He was playing injured. He looked so much more explosive last week. It looked he great. Hit with Josh Jacobs going down with a shoulder injury. Uh, 
the door seems to be open for that Offensive Rookie of the Year award still, and maybe if if uh, Kyler Murray closes strong, that's something he could he could get, which is a bigger deal to Kyler Murray than anyone else. But I've been kind of keeping my eye on that um, that race, and it's a bit of a strange race this year, the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Who else even jumps out at you as someone that's in line for the award? Did Jacobs do enough before he got AJ hurt? AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Harry McLaurin. They haven't been as Gary steady, Terry. but it's not a stellar. It's not like a like a, a shockingly it's, stellar it's class. Deep, but yeah, not like top heavy. Where look, the way AJ Brown's been playing, if he closes out strong, I, I think that's it, it, DK Metcalf in this game. I mean, they it, that's where the Cardinals don't match up as well. Pat Peterson finally had a good game, but he has not been himself. Uh, this season. That's why Rivas should be in that second cornerback spot for Chris <laughs> Wessling's all-decade team. Well, Patrick Peterson has had a bad season. Darrell Rivas hasn't played in five years. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to hold that against him? <laughs> okay, that's fair. I thought Tyler Lockett looked better last week. Uh, he, he, There was a story that came out that that midseason flu bug that he had, he shed 10 pounds, and that's not the person that can easily lose 10 pounds off their, their NFL frame. Mm. But I feel like with the Seahawks, they don't. You're right; they don't have a great defense. But you look at like KJ Wright last week making huge plays. Someone steps up every game for them, yeah. and I just trust that to happen. I don't Me know too. who it will be this week. I just Me don't too. Know. I just think it might it might be fun. Clowney's still hurt. Wagner is supposed to play, but he's missing practice. Quandre Diggs is out. They just, you know, it hasn't all come together. It's all leading to that week 17 game. I do wonder if NBC is going to flex it now that I think about it. Because when I worked there, mm-hmm. they, were, they had this big policy that it had to be, they always went with the play-in game over what was just like a better Seeding matchup. Mm. And this will not be a play-in game, but we'll see. Maybe they'll. What's play- a potential playoff play-in game out there? Titans-Texans, maybe. Mm. Steelers, maybe. That'd Steelers, be cool, Ravens, Titans, Like Steelers versus the Ravens backups. Like that's a little messy. We'll see. Okay. Uh, do, does Cliff Kingsbury get enough credit for, like, completely when you, people most people just swept this theory up as an impossibility when the when the whispers started that they were going to dump Josh Rosen and go for Kyler Murray and it was just widely dismissed as gossip and rumor and NFL teams don't operate this way and what would this team be with Josh Rosen I mean Josh Rosen can't even start for the Dolphins right now so it's like Cliff Kingsbury and it was not their GM or anyone else convinced the organization to do the right thing and it has turned out well and they have hope because of that one single right. guided belief in this quarterback. Like watching last week, it was hard not to think which duo would you rather have, Kyler and Kyle and uh, King Cliff or Baker and Freddie Kitchens. Thought the want, same thing. You want the Cardinals. You know who's the player that kind of makes me believe in Cliff more than anyone? It's Kenyon Drake. It's, their running game is so good. You take a guy who didn't do anything in Miami and suddenly he's, you know, a, a Pro Bowl quality running back. It's almost like you get away from Adam Gase. No. Uh, I didn't bring that up. We didn't go down that avenue. You just did. Um, all right. Who, Greg, it's snaking. It is. It's, you know, it's I, only getting uglier. These body ears, are getting, you know, the, the stink on them gets more pungent. A little funk in the air now. Yeah. Well, why not go Will Greer's first start here against the oh, uh, Colts? Oh, God. Oof. I mean, what? You're going to tell me the... Uh, you fell on the grenade that was sitting atop a dead body. Well, there's a four-way... <laughs> there's a four-team playoff at the top of the draft. That, that has its own attractiveness. Actually, Giants-Redskins, okay. you could make an argument. But I'll see. I like guys when they start their first game. You're just the curiosity factor. I also feel so bad for this Colts team. It's like they deserve to play uh, a tomato can like the Panthers right now, starting Will Greer in their first game. They're better than 6-8, than and eight, and you would think that their running game uh, would be able to overpower what's just been an abysmal uh, Panthers rush defense. Would you ever, if you're the Colts, and I mean the answer is no, because they're not, not doing this, but 
Um, Dan would have an interest in this, and so would I, in getting a look at Chad Kelly. I, I understand that, but you're not, and you can make it clear that Brissett's not someone that you're Swag? trying to report, like, you know, replace, but I, is Brissett, are we buying Brissett as like a long-term thing? I saw a report this week, I think someone sent it to me in my mentions, that he has not even been considered as an option uh, to play in these final two games. I just personally, I just want to see it. I'm not saying that that's how this organization Jacoby, operates. you know, Brissett's signed through next year at a very reasonable rate for a starting quarterback. He's going to be there. Now, whether they draft someone or bring in someone, it, yeah, to me, I think they want to get some wins here at the end. Well, I know that Swag Kelly has been exciting to watch in the preseason, but I th- it speaks volumes when they wave him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then, th- and then he gets through waivers. Nobody claims him, and he spends time on the practice squad, and then he gets called up only when there's an injury. I, I just don't think Zach, they see him the same Zach way. Zach Kiefer, who reports for The Athletic, this was his tweet. For the Chad Kelly will lead the Colts to the promised land crowd. The Colts have not even discussed elevating him to the backup role for the final two. Wait, to, the right? back, for, to the backup All role. All right. Well, well it was, that, was, for, then? that was my, you know, the history is not rich, as Colleen would say in this situation. He was so good in the preseason. I know. Oh, he just Carved That's right. up. And Will Greer was so bad in the preseason. And as poorly as Kyle Allen has played, Will Greer, it took until now to get a start. Why won't they let Swag Kelly be great? He's been dealing with this his whole life. Let Swag be great. It's an organizational question what? that goes to the highest uh, functioning order. Well, maybe you should, should have thought about uh, like walking into that stranger's <laughs> house after the Von Miller uh, Halloween party. That's in the past. He did. That's, That's in, in the, the past, past. number you know, one. You know, and also, how about we lock our doors? And so we avoid this confusion in the future. He's teaching us a lesson about our society. All right. uh, Moving on, Chris Wessling. Well, at this point, I'm just going grass fields. We'll we'll do Lions (laughs) at Broncos because at least it's a fun stadium to watch. Hmm. And aren't you curious? I think Drew Locks for the last two weeks are (laughs) consequential. Like for all these teams that are totally out of it, the Drew Lock like five-week audition, it – that's something to me that's going to tell you about and, the Broncos for next year. Yeah, and I don't know how much stock to put in last week's game in the snow. That was pretty heavy snow, and Patrick Mahomes, like, you don't ever want to be a team that goes into Kansas City in the snow. <laughs> we saw what happened to the Colts in the playoffs last year, and the Broncos got whitewashed last week. But Locke, it looked like he didn't have a good grip on the ball. So I'm going to write that game off and just kind of judge him on what he's done in the games without snow. I mean, he may encounter snow again in his career, but right, I, I don't know how to predict that. He's from he's from the Kansas City area. Said he had been to I think like over fifty Chiefs games in his life. Well, that and tells he, me he goes back and just gets. Well, you know how it is when you're you're just gotten out of college. You, you go back to your hometown. You're hanging out with your high school friends. Probably Ooh. was you know. I'm just saying that could have been a factor. Not reporting <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, two Pro Bowl snubs for the Broncos: Cortland Sutton and Justin Simmons. They might be the two biggest Pro Bowl snubs, period. I think they – I think so. Well, the good thing is the Ravens have like 14 or 15 right, people. They, like you're going to get Cor- – Cortland Sutherland's going to be – Oh, he'll be into the Pro Bowl mix. At some Simmons point. wasn't even – He'll be al- touching down in Orlando. Orlando. <laughs> Simmons wasn't even so alternate. And his interception of Mahomes last week was an amazing play. And he, He'd be he, first-team All-Pro. He might be – he has a chance, I think, at first-team All-Pro, and yet he didn't make the Pro Bowl. Wes, when you said that you were going grass fields, I thought it was like some type of metaphor about being free, like just following your heart or something. But you were literally talking about watching a game played on a grass field. Well, I think the free part of it, yeah. I mean, as I've said before, Natural has been been beating fake for like a 100,000-year winning streak. Natural always beats fake. And the Reds, yeah, Washington doesn't really count because that's just dirt at this point, not even grass. (laughs) 
All right. I considered that Field. game. Field's terrible. I'm up, and uh, God dang. Let's let's watch Minshew. You know what? Let's watch Minshew. Get your final scouting assessment on him. Gardner Minshew is... Not biased at all. Traveling to Atlanta to face the Falcons. Right back at you. Here we go. The Jaguars... You know they really got helped out by the officials in that game, uh, as we as we mentioned. I believe John Gruden uh, was given an apology by the league, which is almost worse than not getting an apology. It's like I know that in me- that game too. Please, that's I mean, the NFL taking accountability. But what is it? I mean, it doesn't bring the W back. Maybe it's like, hey, Al Davis, you shouldn't have gone after Pete Rozelle so hard. Right? You <laughs> think gotcha. They're deep roots here. So so yes, ruling uh, Derek Carr out of bounds uh, really is what led to the Raiders. Uh, going down the tubes uh, and the Jaguars getting that win, but good for uh, Jacksonville. They still had a march down the field and we saw some Minshew magic to make that happen. And now they go to Atlanta to play the Falcons. And yeah, why not? We only get a couple more chances to watch Matt Ryan play football this season. They're five and nine. So uh, in, uh, in their building, uh, a little Minshew Falcons. And one thing we, we should touch on is that Tom Coughlin was fired. Tom Coughlin, who's the vice president of operations, I believe. Was his title in Jacksonville? Football is czar is football like. czar is another way to put it. He was let go, and that happened um, at the same time of the report came out that the Jaguars. What was the exact details surrounding this thing about fines that were being overturned all over the place? Right down, and the unions putting it out there that te- players should seriously consider even going to Jacksonville to play for them. Uh, really messy stuff. And Coughlin and his culture. Our boy Connor Orr actually over at Sports Illustrated, wrote, wrote a nice piece about how Tom Coughlin's hard-nosed style, if you're not five minutes early or late. Uh, Did you see they switched the clocks back? They switched the clocks back? The Jaguars all, all yes. today switched it back to normal time yeah. instead of clock. A.J. Boye was like, I showed up, and I, and I was like, I'm not early, am I? But then he was like, oh, I guess they changed the clock. Uh, but, yeah, Connor used an example within the piece of how strict it was with Coughlin at the top, both with the Giants and the Jags, if you weren't wearing, uh, you know, the proper necktie on a team flight, they would take some of your game check, just like ticky tack stuff like that. That maybe it worked even as recently as ten years ago in the NFL, and certainly worked twenty and thirty and forty years. But in the modern league, it's just a little bit different now. And a guy like Coughlin was a dinosaur. So the Jaguars wisely move on from uh, Coughlin and now we find out and we will find out if that's where it ends or if we're if, or it's going to be a full purge in Jacksonville the based on the statement from Shad Khan that the GM Caldwell David Caldwell and Doug Marone will report to him directly on an interim basis and just everything that's happened it's it feels like they're just going to clean total house I think Caldwell is the one that no one's sure at, at you know there's some speculation that the last two, the results of the last two games could play a big impact if they Come win three straight. I hate that. that. That'll really help, which is how you got Doug Marone in the first place, <laughs> is right. that you hired him because you went one and one, and Blake Bortles went from like the 32nd best quarterback to the 22nd best quarterback for two weeks. Like That's how you did it. But Coughlin, it, it's, a rough, it's a rough way to go out because it's not just that like he had these old school ways. He was breaking the rules of the collective bargaining agreement. 25 different players were fined for missing quote unquote mandatory uh, off season, you know, appointments with physicians, which is literally against the CBA. And so the, the players union had all these complaints for missing voluntary. You said 
Well, you can't require players right. to get your treatment at the facility right. in the off season, and they were requiring them, and they were finding them. But also other stuff like Leonard Fournette being on the bench last year. That was uh, a ninety nine thousand dollar fine, right? They fired him. That got overturned. Like there's a, a bunch of fines that they found. That come on, Granddad. The the whole rest of the league, I think, added up to. Uh, less than half of all the cases than the Jaguars have had over the last two years. So the NFLPA said you should consider that, and I think that's why Khan uh, just decided to fire Coughlin right now, not even wait two weeks. I, I'd say on the flip side, you know, the, the Falcons obviously last week they're playing hard. They go out and upset the Niners, but they are weirdly uh, two wins away from being seven and nine, and I would say maybe saving Dan Quinn's job. I mean, I'll say some teams you can feel them floating away and the players are not responding and it's hard to watch, but the Falcons are not that right now. Well, they, they were one year, and seven. They, they, do one this, and they seven. did this last year, too. They won their last three games. His defense historically is always better in the second half. I don't. I don't know. I've heard a, you've. I've been reading that, but I'm surprised. My thing Me, is like disappointment at seven and nine. Dan Quinn is a little bit of a Ron Rivera thing to him, where a lot of people around the league think that Dan Quinn is the guy and a great coach, and you know, situationally, maybe not in the greatest situation for him in Atlanta this season. But who are you? You're gonna you're gonna remove him, and again, you have to go find out that you're gonna get someone better. I just I thought I'm not about sure. locking this game, and it didn't even pass uh, the old desert test. Really? That's how much uh, the desert is a fan of uh, the Falcons right now. Well, Holyo. Jones, just a word of praise about him. This is why you keep playing your stars when you're eliminated from playoff contention to see responsible for 20 of his team's 23 points in that game. A Hall of Famer in the late stages of, of his prime, proving he's still an all-pro, and you better pay attention because put me on that all-pro list with the way I'm playing. And how about this? People are paying money to go you know, to these games. Yes. Mm. I'm with we'll you, by the way. see some Julio Jones. If they go 1-7 and seven and then in the first half and close 6-2, and two, I think he keeps his job. I'm just saying, you have to, like, a lot of it's like, is there this amazing candidate? Is Bill Parcells 2.0 sitting out there and the Falcons are the team that wants to go chase him? There's no one out well, there. Well, you know like who him. is out there? Todd Bowles. One of Bill Parcells' old lieutenants is out there and he available? Tom Coughlin. <laughs> well, I don't, yeah, that low stakes. Happen. All right, Mark, you're up. All right, I am, in this draft, by the way, has just unfolded in beautiful fashion. I have one game on Saturday. I have one game early on Sunday, and I am now going to pick the final 4 o'clock Eastern time, standard time zone start with the Oakland Raiders at the Chargers. Congratulations, Mark. It took 16 weeks. Someone got a perfect draft finally. And it's well, it's, it's just the way I want to do it. And it's the Raiders. Four games in a row you've lost? Come on here, people. And, you know... <laughs> Wait, was that written out? What? Was that written out? No, I just, no, I just like a four-game losing streak. I mean, it's just... A, it's like so, that was the single, single greatest moment of analysis on the history of this podcast. I want that to be a drop. <laughs> two, very on, abs- two very absurd teams. I mean, the Chargers have the worst turnover differential in the league tied with the Bengals, and they look like it half the time. And I thought that a couple weeks ago when they flamed Jacksonville that Rivers had awoken for what would be a potentially a three or four game stretch to close his career in Los Angeles. Uh, But then no, last week happens and they totally melt. So these are two totally unpredictable, but more, uh, they are predictable in the sense that they're unreliable week to week. Uh, I don't find the Chargers that fun to watch. The Raiders uh, 
crushed me last week and I locked them. I told Sky Sports at halftime that you could bet houses, you could bet cars. <laughs> they are not losing this game. And I came at it hard. And it's like the 88th time in a row I've told Neil Reynolds and Sky Sports something and it's gone south within a half an hour to an hour after. So I don't know why they still employ well, me at this you, point. It's a good thing you rent and you don't even have a car right now. Well, it's not my possessions, but I mean, I was telling other people to go do it. So I have no idea who will win this game. I mean, you so don't you're have saying there's some people in London right now with broken kneecaps because of you? I think it's possible. <laughs> you and Rainmaker should ch- take your show on the road. The, uh, it's possible. Off the road. The Raiders are not playing uh, Josh Jacobs in this game. Trent Brown is on IR. It feels like the moves of a team that just doesn't want any further damage. John Gruden said yeah, packing up the boxes. after the loss as they were packing up the boxes at the Oakland Coliseum, poor Josh Jacobs couldn't even get his um, shoulder pads off. He was in so much pain after the game. So it well, makes all the sense of the world. Then. Well, I guess you know it was the last game, and you yeah. know there was some juice to it. But uh, it makes all the sense of the world to shut down what's a really great rookie season overall for Jacobs. He's I did find it forget that Raider Nation does get their annual LA game still every year. So th- I'm sure that it'll be mostly Raiders fans today. I mean, uh, on Sunday rather. Yep. So the you know the goodbye will continue in the next. You know those games now every year when they come to LA are going to be even more like Raiders heavy than ever. I think John Gruden's going quarterback shopping this off season. We're back here now. So I, does, I'm not uh, saying he's going to cut Derek Carr, but I think he's going to he's going to fall in love with somebody in the draft or chase another quarterback. The way they've played the last month, and the way this offense has been so limited all year. They're the beat writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal, uh, Vincent Bonsignori, he tweeted that out this week, which got some attention that he what? thought there there would be changes at quarterback. Mm. He left it vague, but mm. he was on the side. I don't falls in love with quarterbacks easily. Well and all and also they they honored Derek Carr by giving him this season and they you know there was last off season there were all these whispers that John Gruden wanted all you know quarterback X Y and Z they had Kyler Murray in their building right for I, just, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they fall in love with free agent or a free agent or someone else right the they'll, they'll see what they can get and it's like is that better than Carr and right. there's a chance maybe they they won't get anything better all right uh, Mark great drafts Vengali you're up again well and I'm picking I believe I'm this snake situation for uh either Nick Shook or Jeremy Bergman. Correct. Because the other option is based on a trade I made last week that only right, plays just, into just this amazing just thing. Well, I'm just saying. I'm not doing four <laughs> games. So. We still got some good primetime right. games. We I, skip I am picking for someone. I'm picking for someone the Bengals at Dolphins for, uh, you know, can the Cincinnati Bengals do the most Bengals thing ever and somehow not wind up with the first overall pick? I think they're going to. Um, but what concerns me a little bit I would put it in one uh, game comment is that Joe Mixon actually has been awesome the past couple weeks. Uh, he tore up the, the the Patriots a week ago, and the Dolphins, for all their you know hopeful little moments, the one thing they've consistently absolutely stunk the joint up with is allowing running backs to, if they're in a tough place, totally break out week after week against Miami. So I could see Cincinnati controlling this game if if you don't get any big mistakes, and uh, they should win. And then suddenly you've got a showdown scenario where the Dolphins play the Patriots the week after. And the Bengals play the, the Browns. Browns. So the Bengals would have to win two straight. I think it's possible. I thought about locking up this game. I'm shocked that the <laughs> Dolphins are favorites. I just think Cincinnati's much better right now. Belichick but, called Joe Mixon the best running back in the league after that game. It was a pretty I mean, wild statement. He's he's playing he's playing like George Kittle at running back. Like you really have to you that run he had against the Patriots where right. 
or was it the Browns game where it looked like he was getting a ten yard loss and he broke about seven tackles? Had a few against, had one against the Patriots that was that was unbelievable. I'm looking at my favorite website, Tankathon.com. Uh, just a great name. As we know, Cincinnati's one loss away from Joe Burrow. Uh, the Giants are at two right now. The Dolphins at three and the Redskins at four. All are three and eleven, but it's about strength of schedule. Who's got the uh, weakest strength of schedule of the group, and right now it's the Giants. And then I'm taking a look. They do a nice job here. That um, Khalil Mack trade, Bears-Raiders, that's still going to bear fruit for the Raiders. They, right now, if the where it is now, that's the 18th overall pick going to the Raiders. That's the Bears pick. And the Jalen Ramsey trade, the Rams right now, that's a top 20 pick. And, of course, that Minka Fitzpatrick, Dolphins-Steelers trade, 22 Right Jaguars, and the one reason you get new people in is they have four number one picks over the next two years. Oh, and the Laramie Tunsil trade is 23. So right now the Dolphins are at three, 22, and 23. EOB sitting sitting pretty, especially with that Tunsil trade. Stills got a sign. I get it, but for this season, he if there was any risk of him losing his job, he, he kept himself employed. All right, uh, I'm up. I will take the first game I see. Giants at Redskins. Uh, Daniel Jones practiced fully on Wednesday. Uh, that tells me, as it should tell everyone, that he will be back in the lineup, uh, sending Eli Manning back to the bench. Uh, as far Funny as how that all worked out, I was a little suspicious to begin with, and now I'm even more. In what way? Let's hear that. that. They just wanted to see a little – that the, the ownership wanted to see a little Eli Manning. They didn't want Jones playing, like, through an injury. I'm sure that there was truth to all of it. I think that's fair. I a think lot of they people like, questioned that. We have a cushy – And, hey, it worked out. It was, it was by far the best moment of the year for the Giants was e- that win last Eli year. was the backup, so by necessity, when Jones gets hurt initially, he's in a tough spot at Philly. But then it's like, well, you know – DJ's banged up here. Let's uh, get a home game, say goodbye to Eli, and then get back to business, uh, and you get the Redskins. And uh, I will say that if I'm a Redskins fan, there was a period about, I don't know, five weeks ago, maybe even three or four weeks ago, and remember we were dissecting that sideline conversation between uh, Dwayne Haskins and the offensive line, and and it felt like the interim coach, uh, Greg's boy, uh, Callahan was purposely trying to end games as quickly as possible, and Haskins just looked overwhelmed. I feel like the last couple of weeks, there's at least something to point at Haskins. Like there's a little bit of growth here. Like, didn't you guarantee that his career is going to flame out because of? Yes. Okay. Yes, but I'm pointing out the what is fair, which is that he has looked better. No, I did not like him taking selfies after his first NFL win. I will never <laughs> like that he did that. Uh, but yes, he's obviously got the arm talent that he you know he hangs in the pocket, maybe holds onto the ball too long. But I don't see him as a total disaster right now. I see him in like a Baker Mayfield, like a Sam Darnold, a a young quarterback trapped in an unhealthy situation, and hopefully it gets better for him. I, I'm going to be curious to watch this because of, of the young quarterbacks at some point, but both quarterbacks are with in systems offensively that they're not going to be in next year. Right. So it's just one of those It's not situa- going to be in three weeks from It's now. the situations <laughs> where you right, even don't know what you're going to take from their late season performance. Just drawing up plays in the dirt in the huddle for every play. I love it. I would watch that game in a second if you are just telling me they are just going to play schoolyard football in week 16 of a meaningless football game. Sounds fun to me. Like Sign that. me up. Uh, Wes. We've got a little breaking news. We do. Let's just throw it in. Let's throw it All in right. the show right now. The Patriots have declared Julian Edelman out, or questionable rather, for uh, uh, 
Sunday's game. Well, I would I would not have gone breaking if I had read it correctly. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They list like 48 players this questionable is tough. every week. They, they just brought a whole new crew in to oh. go on air with this breaking news. <laughs> All of those people's their Christmas Ooh. vacations were questionable. Interrupted. Ooh, this man. You got the guy in the background playing the piano breaking <laughs> yeah. news. Song I here. thought he it said, be called in. I like, thought it said out. Out a synthesizer. Yeah, oh. Well, you know what? The number five overall PFF cornerback this year, Jonathan Jones, is out. How about that? No. Slot cornerback. This is not one of your five moments. And you know what, Ricky? Let's not edit it out of the show because this could be a learning lesson for Greg, the humiliation that will come with this breaking. (laughs) I mean, people need to know Jonathan Jones. He's been great in the slot. It's a matchup with Cole Beasley. Hasn't missed You cannot win this argument at this point. I read it wrong. Uh, Wes, close out our uh, Sunday slate. I, I think he has. We've moved on to the. You, We're into the prime time. Yeah, oh, good, good, good. All right, Wes, you're done. Good job, Wes. Wait, Thank get you. out of there. Um, okay. Uh, and Mark, I think uh, it would be unfair to stick our buddies Shook or Burgo with games that bad. So I think we're just going to handle those games. <laughs> we being not me. Yes, I, I already That would be Wes based on the we're, trade we'll, we'll be very quick on them. So yeah, I, we'll be quick. My, gonna... hand, my hands are clean. It is going to Wes or one of those two people. You, can, you guys figure it out. All right, here we go. Uh, Sunday night football, the Kansas City Chiefs, 10-4, and four, uh, looking very good in the snow last week, especially that defense. Uh, travel now to face the Bears at Soldier Field, which, you know, uh, if you're a Bears fan, this was a game you were so excited about when the season began. It looked like it was a showdown, maybe even a Super Bowl preview, but it's not the case because the Bears aren't going anywhere but home uh, once they finish the regular season. The Chiefs, meanwhile, Greg, and you called it. I um, On Sunday, you said, don't, don't look at 23 points. Uh, and think that the the Chiefs aren't figuring things out on offense. If you watch that game, uh, that looked like an offense that is taking off in a big way. Now, could they use a better running game? If Andy Reid could have done it again, would he trade Carlos Hyde for a uh, a backup offensive lineman? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, But the running game's not there, but the passing game is humming. And I imagine even against a good Bears defense, the Chiefs aren't going to be denied. Could be a tough spot, though. It's... It's not that tough a spot, I don't think. And I and if I was a Bears fan, yeah, maybe you were looking forward to it. You shouldn't be because every time you see Patrick Mahomes lighting you up on Sunday in the snow or the cold weather, you should be thinking about how he was drafted you know, later in the same draft that you took Mitchell Trubisky Oof. when there's no way out of this Trubisky thing. Here's the thing with Trubisky. Even when he's playing better, I always get back to the point that he only played one year in college and his, his main – exciting trait was supposed to be accuracy. And I could see it. Like, if he was accurate, he could be a slight, a richer man's Alex Smith. But he's not accurate. He's just not. And so all the other things that he doesn't do that well really come to the fore. And they're, I think they're in a really tough spot as an organization, not just at quarterback, but to me the defense might get slightly worse every year trying to keep it together. It's just uh, – it's as tricky as uh, Dan and his little ice uh, cup, yeah, <laughs> which rough. I believe uh, was very audible to Rough sitch there in a big spot. It's the second time in the show with a little uh, guest appearance by the old ice. <laughs> it, it adds to the uh, I like it. I don't mind. It's it. homie. The broadcast. The, watching that game this morning, too, with, with Mahomes, because I thought, well, the score is interesting, but – they well, I mean, what would you rather I not? It's like there's not a lot else to be doing during the week. So, the I feel like everyone else is playing in the snow. 
he's playing in a dome. And so he looked like he, he had yeah. total control over the ball and was like making these insane touch passes into tight windows and over the shoulder to Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey on fire. I mean, it's like this team was not affected by the weather at all. He was not. Here's the thing. If, if, and I know Lamar Jackson is going to be the MVP, and he should be, but if I was just taking one player for the rest of the season to be leading my team, it's to me it's Patrick Mahomes. He's still, he's still the guy that just – I think can do everything and can beat anyone. And I don't know any team playing Patrick Mahomes cannot feel comfortable. Well, the chiefs defense too. They, Oh, last month they've been so good that they are now right there with the saints in DVOA for defense. They are wow. about the same grade. The chiefs are 11th now in total defense efficiency. Well, Chris, Chris Jones is, is unreal. I mean, he just dominates a game and then you have, you're pretty good on the back end where, Spagnolo's been a very good hire that he mixes it up and now they have Terrell So listen to you. Spagnolo has been different very teams good need hire. different things. Um That's growth. <laughs> <laughs> Finally over those Super Bowls. <laughs> it was just one. Oh yeah, the second he was, one. He was the only yeah. uh he was only there for one. No, the first, right? Oh, first That's one. That's forty two. The great helmet catch. Plaques Burroughs. How does he get so wide open? Ellis Hobbs. <laughs> Just uh, dragging at the end of that year. Yikes. You're putting the helmet catch on Spags. That's <laughs> right. I know. Ty Warren, Ty Warren just yanks him down. Greg, Nick Kwiatkowski, Bears inside linebacker, is going to rank pretty high in our free agency rankings. Somebody's going to pay him. If it's not the Bears, somebody else is going to pay him. He's been better than Trevathan was. Well, now after getting that inside info, I'm going to like rank him artificially low just to balance out Wes's mm. nice strategy. I'm not saying top what a seven. peek behind the curtain. Well, that's Sausage usually what happens. Made. I usually have to rank Geno Smith 300th in order to balance out Greg's ranking. Geno's a free agent, I think, this year. He's... If you Gino look, will never sign another multi-year contract. If in you his look life, at right. the improvement that the Seahawks <laughs> offense has made since Geno Smith, like what's the change for the Seahawks this year? He's a good it's coin flipper. Gino. Yeah, he's done some nice coin toss action. All right, Monday Night Football, the Green Bay Packers, 11-3 at the Minnesota Vikings, 10-4. and This is massive uh, because obviously we're talking about the Vikings with a chance to clinch a playoff spot uh, with a win. If they lose, as we pointed out, the door is open. If, well, Rams need to win, take care of their business. But the Vikings can lose out and miss the playoffs, even at ten and four right now. So uh, the game has so much meaning, and that's even beyond. Uh, before you get to the fact that yes, the NFC North and potentially a bye is on the line. So this is one of those games that really affects so much uh, in the NFC, and it's a game that Wes, you um, you pointed out many times on the show about how the Vikings are a great team at home. And that's what I would be the most nervous about if I'm a Packers fan. We've talked about Green Bay, how maybe a team that doesn't have a lot of big wins on the ledger that isn't blowing you away on a week-by-week basis, especially on offense. The defense has been up and down. Do they have what it takes to go on the road in this type of setting and win a huge game with the division on the line? I think it's obviously a huge test that's going to teach us so much and we'll finally learn whether the Packers are legit or not. What do you think? Well, I I would pick the Vikings to win, but I also think maybe we've been a little too hard on the Packers. Okay, that's fair. They are 11-3. and After watching that game, I thought Rodgers was a little bit better than I expected. He made some great throws, but that's not really his problem is making great downfield throws. They have so many just misses all the time. Um, it's the fact that they couldn't move the ball in the fourth quarter with a lead. But they have shown improvement on defense, I think, and Kenny Clark is playing at a much higher level the last few games than he was at midseason. 
I think this defense is playing a little bit better now. They're I mean, they're a boomer bust offense. They're big play. You know, they have Aaron Jones. The whole thing of like Aaron Rodgers doesn't have weapons. Please, he's got the best tackle combination in the league. The best continuity on that offensive line. None of them have missed a snap all season. He's got Devonte Adams and he's got Aaron Jones too. Well, you're most- mixing up the idea of what a weapon is and what the offensive line. Right. Is an a- but I'm saying usually viewed okay. As a and weapon. he's got Devonte <laughs> Adams and he's got Aaron Jones. He's got they've got enough to be successful. But they're boomer bust in terms of their offense. Why well, don't big they plays and they're not like chain moving type of plays. They're not I put that on with how they use Aaron Jones. Why aren't they? running him 20 times a game. Yeah, I mean, and you know, no Dalvin Cook. That bothers me about this game a lot. Ian Rappaport has reported he's unlikely. No one else is as aggressive, so Ian is out on a limb. Way to go, Ian. No, I'm giving him the credit. Doesn't sound like Cook's right. going to be there. And they did, up until this morning, there was doubt that Alexander Madison would play their backup, that he's got an ankle issue. But it sounds like Mike Zimmer said he has a good chance to suit up. But that, if you take away that from the Vikings, I, I just don't... Uh, both of these teams I have doubts about in general. And the fact that Green Bay, if the, the way this season plays out, I just trust that the football deity is above will not allow us to have Green Bay as the second-seeded team when this thing shakes out. They are the least second-seeded team I could ever imagine on planet Earth. Wow. You've got the Saints really? sitting out there. The Saints are sitting out there. Give me a break with the idea that the Green Bay Packers are the team coming out of this amazing NFC with the bye week. I don't know. You think the world it would be 49ers and Saints in one and two? I think it would be I'd be fine with Seattle and the Saints oh, or, San, or, or San Francisco where the, and they, the Saints. They could be the one seed. I mean, it's possible. It's, it's unlikely that the Packers would be. Who do you guys uh, has had? Which quarterback in this game has had a better year? I'll put that out. Cousins. There. I mean, I trust Aaron Rodgers more instinctively but, to do anything, but Cousins has had the better season. Right. I trust Rodgers more too, but Cousins has had the better year. Statistically, Kirk Cousins has had the better year. It's not even mm. close. I would bet statistically. And, and I'm not that worried about Cook being not there. I mean, the running game. When Boone comes in last week, I know it was the end of the Boone's game. But Madison, they're, they're, the offensive line's played better, too. They've protected Cousins. Cousins had all t- sorts of time against the Chargers, even against uh, those good pass rushers. I uh, I think this is a game of the defense, though, for the Vikings. They should be able to win this. I mean, they've been building this defense for six years. They spent more resources on this defense than any team in, in the league in terms of contract extensions, including like six first-rounders in the secondary. You've had Zimmer. Like, if you can't win this game at home against LaFleur in his first year and a little bit of an uneven Packers thing, it's like, what have you been doing building up this group and great continuity? Well, it's so hard to have the continuity that they've had. This the dirty little before. secret is this defense has choked more times than Kirk Cousins. Yeah. We always think they're a great defense, and they end up being a pretty good defense. It's a a fair call. The the matchups in this game are pretty great. I mean, Eric Hendricks against Aaron Jones, like trying to prevent him from getting to the outside, also might be covering him sometime. You got Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin against uh, Bulaga and Bakhtiar. Like, they're – I don't know. It's a great game. Where's Adam feeling at physically right now? He played a full complement of snaps last week. He played 33 of 65 snaps. my bad. Three catches on three targets. Um, so at this point, it seems like they're easing him back in. But Diggs has really stepped up uh, and and become an even better uh, producer with Thielen out, which makes sense. Um, are, are any of us picking the uh, Packers in this game? No. Uh, I almost wanted to lock up the Packers. No. Wow. That, that's because I don't trust. I don't trust the Vikings, but I have to. I go too far with my lack of trust to the Vikings, and then I get caught in that kind of thing. And I'll lose my lock too. So it's like you can, you know, either way. It'll... <laughs> All 
Are we going to watch this together, Dan? Or yeah, we're doing this at on? the uh, garage. Are we just right? I think we. That's we are. The plan. We are. Uh, you know, doing a post Monday Night Football show, which is out of the ordinary. That'll be like our Tuesday show with maybe a little news too. Talk about the game and some news. Uh, Okay. Out of the ordinary, holiday slash, maybe too much, but yeah. we haven't we haven't watched a, a full game like that together, like in one of these little spots. Oh, week it's one, cute. it's it's all you it's know, full all. circle, yeah. full circle. I mean, circle. every Sunday night too. But I see what you mean as a <laughs> outside of the building. And you know, Wes, go make some place, Kirk Cousins, in a big spot here. <laughs> right. Oh, I agree. I think you That's and all. I think you and I have more common ground on this thing. You believe? No, <laughs> I, I think that. When when he plays poorly, it's fair game. Talk about it in on national TV. But when he's not much of a factor in the game, let's talk about the factors in the game. Okay. Are are you concerned, Mark, just being on the outside of this, that we're going to be watching this game together at Dan's and the Wes and Dan Kirk Cousins heat just might be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize. I thought I was going to be, because of the innate tension rolling in just as the game was ending, as I've done for – these post games, but that's that's a lot to. Uh, it's the holiday season, and it's you're a, allowed. I mean, you, you have know. a family. You do what you need to do. I think after we finish recording, too, maybe we hang out together, spend some time. Mark, <laughs> TBD. We, be, we look over, just like a cloud of smoke, and Mark's gone already. That is that narrative is false, and I will prove it false. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's see if he'll play cornhole. Let's try to get Mark involved. What if you do, we do something oh, yeah. that I actually... He's been right. consistently anti-parlor games since <laughs> yeah, yeah, 1982. So that's so. your that's your offer. We have to come up with something else. We're going to come up with something more enticing, but give us time. Give All us right. the weekend to you think. Have on till that. Monday night. How about we break after the game, after the podcast? Phantom Menace. <laughs> Yikes! Never. Like that's where the Kirk Cousins thing. Like I've never. I'm not I'm never supporting. Wait, that movie's coming out uh, this evening. You you got a ticket? Just say yes. Yeah, you don't I have do. to pretend you don't. I'm not pretending I don't, but I don't. But I'm also. I am now looking at that. There's nine of those movies, and I would say that. Seven of them get lower than a B, or eight of six, six of them get lower than a B in my book. The reviews have not been great. What's this one? This one is the final one. It's called The Rise of Skywalker, and I do, and the Rise. reviews are at best iffy. And I don't, and that's why I'm going to with zero. I'm just going to go watch it and then go home. Enjoy it. You know. yeah. Have they made a good one since 1980? No, that well since the, the the end of our childhood ones. That's and I've been saying that consistently. The same way I told you the Browns were going to drop a big egg and. All these things that you think are going to meet up to your childhood well, you expectations did. will not. You did, you know, predict them to win the Super Bowl in in I writing. I know, but that was <laughs> that wasn't a moment. That wasn't like my fault. Well, now he's on Seahawks corner. It's on. It's All actually written on NFL.com, I believe. It's still there. Yeah, it's a little more one, than a moment. You're one of. Uh, three. I know how to get into the CMS system where you can quickly erase those articles. You're one of so. three analysts to pick um, the Browns to win the Super Bowl. Who else was it? And, it was me uh, and Tom them. Blair, a Browns fan, and yeah. Joe Thomas, obviously with overt links mm. to the Browns. We were just. Cute. We were up in our. It was clear on our feelings, as analysis. young people would say. This is so. where you see, like, you have different rules for different, you know, players, different levels of of uh, stature. It's like, they're not going to bring Tom Blair and, and Mark back next year, but Joe Thomas. Well, it was yeah, because of this prediction. <laughs> that like, went, that went poorly. Joe. Um, all right. That, oh, I have a, an announcement as we teased, by the way, at the, uh, uh, Erica did really good VO work at the beginning of our Tuesday episode. Uh, we will be, as you know, we have our last, <laughs> listen to that music. So fitting. Our live show, uh, in at uh, the Super Bowl. We do it. It's a new tradition. We did it last year in Atlanta, and we had a great time. We're going to do it again uh, this year in oh, yeah. Miami at the Miami Improv. 
uh, around the NFL podcast live show on the Thursday night before Super Bowl 54. It's going to be a lot of fun. The four of us, Ricky, chopping it up and with an audience there and liquor. Oh, the liquor is all available to you as well. At a charge. But what's better than watching the heroes and we're all together. And after the show, of course, we'll uh, you know chat with the fans. So join us. So attend a live podcast taping at Super Bowl 54. Check the link in the bio on our ATN Instagram page. Nice. You'll mm. find the link to go get tickets at the Miami Improv Thursday night before Super Bowl 54. Nailed it, Dan. It's also on the Miami Improv website. So if Ooh. you don't have Instagram, well... Get with the time. I have them, and that's part of my bookmarks on your like that improv theater has been in my bookmarks for years. <laughs> so exactly. it all works yeah. out. So perfectly. you could Google it. That now we're we're live all over. I just tweeted it. I mean, every everybody, it's it's everywhere. Cool. Get no your excuse. tickets. Uh, they won't last, uh, according to people with uh, knowledge of the situation. Greg, <laughs> I trust those sources. All right, implicitly. All right, that's it for today's show. The next time you hear from us will be Sunday night, where we recap all the games we just previewed. Thank you to everyone. As always, for listening and continuing to support the show. We love you. Uh, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Rick Hollywood. Behind the glass, the whole gang Christy, Bartlett, Brady, Zach, till Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.